Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello. Happy Monday. Is that weird to hear me say? Yeah, I generally hang out with you on a Tuesday, but this is a really special week, especially for our American listeners. This is the Monday before one of the most powerful and most intense, most stressful elections of our nation's history. I don't know if I should be not shocked that I'm alive for it because that's just kind of how my life goes or if I should be honored that I'm here witnessing this. I don't know. It doesn't feel like so much of an honor but Today's episode is not going to be about the election. So if you tuned in and you're thinking, oh, this is not what I came to hear, don't worry. We're not going to be talking about the election. However, we are going to be talking about how legislation, policy, impacts women's health, reproductive freedom, reproductive health, women's rights, Reproductive rights. It's all impacted by who we vote in to office. So we start out the conversation talking about postpartum and how legislation around postpartum so poorly fails birthing people in our country. But then we began to realize, and you'll hear the conversation go that way, where policy actually impacts so much. Today in my conversation with my good friend Skylar Jacobs, who is a certified nurse midwife down in Florida currently, you're going to hear how legislation is weaved in and out of everything women's health. Not that that's how it should be. Not that politics should necessarily dictate the care that people give. There should just be this baseline of basic care that we give people who are going to have a baby, 
who are trying to get pregnant, who are going through the birthing process, and who have just had a baby. But that's not what we see play out in our country. We we want to share how you can make a difference in that and how how we can actually move our country forward in the upcoming years. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to Skylar. Her desire to serve and empower women has led her to the career of midwifery, but she also owns a small business, Well and Worthy Co., and she's actually going to give you guys, all of our listeners, 15% off of all store merchandise. You can use the code TBL15 to get 15% off. Again, that's tbl 15 to get 15% off of any merchandise in Well and Worthy Co.'s store. Skylar has a blog too where she blogs about all things women health, clean beauty, recipes, healthy foods, an active lifestyle. She truly wants you to be empowered to be your best self and Personally, I'm really grateful that she's a midwife, and I think that she changes so many people's lives, even people who don't have her practicing as a midwife. I mean, I'm, I am one of those people who have never seen Skylar in the capacity of her being my midwife, but she has absolutely changed my life. So without further ado, I'm so excited to chat about how legislation really robs birthing people of a good postpartum in America. All right, Skylar, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. We were just chatting a little bit before, but um, I think that this conversation is going to be one that probably a lot of listeners haven't considered before. If you've had a baby, you've probably questioned why the heck we don't already have this. And if you are pregnant, you're probably going to walk away being like, yeah, I think I want to have this conversation with my provider to make sure I have a little bit extra support postpartum. What I'm talking about is this two-week follow-up, right? So traditionally, women have a baby, people, birthing people have a baby, and they're not seen again until six weeks, right? We kind of, we keep you 24, 48, maybe a couple days, 48 hours, a couple days Mm -hmm. after birth, and then we bundle that little baby up, and we send it home with you, and we say, go luck, we will see you in six (laughs) weeks, and that is just, well, first of all, I think it's important to note that that's what happens in the U.S. That's not what happens in other countries, Mm -hmm. so In this conversation, we're going to talk about why that two-week follow-up is really crucial. We'll talk about, you know, what's it, what's it so important? Why is it so important? What's it used for? And then I'd love to talk about what we see in other countries that don't necessarily follow our model of care. So before we dive too far in, I, I just introduced you a little bit to our guests, but tell us who you are kind of behind the screen, behind closed doors. Who is Skylar the midwife? Yeah, so I, my name is Skylar Jacobs. I currently reside in Tampa, Florida, um, and I've been a working certified nurse midwife now for two years, Um, and, you know, I had a pretty natural road to midwifery. Like, I knew I wanted to be a midwife when I was, like, nine, (laughs) and so... I think that everything I've done scholastically and, you know, um, shadowing wise was just another step towards accomplishing that goal. 
So I, I love my job. It is like the end goal that I've had for years. And um, I really enjoy what I do. But I've also learned that it's so important to have a balance of, of, you know, living and work life. So outside of work, um, I am married to my husband, Carson. We love to travel. We love to go to the beach, working out. We love to just stay active. I'm a big advocate of yoga and bar um, and cooking and making recipes. So that's kind of me outside of the office. Um, and I do have a guinea pig named Martin, who I love. <laughs> I can't I not Martin include him. Too. He's on your Instagram. I'm always like, oh my God, hi, Martin. <laughs> yeah, I can't talk about my family without including Martin. Um, so yeah, that is pretty much me, you know, in a nutshell, if, if you will. Um, but I do think that all that I do is kind of an extension of my heart to serve women and to just empower women. So you mentioned my Instagram. I do have a blog um, that I run and that's kind of like just my passion project. Like I want to reach women who aren't just in, in my office and in my clinic. Um, and so that's the way I go about doing that. Um, but that that's me. I love it. You guys at the end, we'll tell you where you can connect with Skylar and her blog and her Instagram and all that jazz. Cause well, first of all, Martin is like totally worth it, but um, you know, outside of Martin, Skylar yeah. really does a really great job of um, teaching you how you can live a healthy and, and kind of greener life during pregnancy, right? And that's really hard. We talk about that a lot in, in our community that products are not meant for pregnancy. Um, and I think if you, if you give Skylar a follow, you're going to find you're right. You're still right. But she does a good job of showing you what is pregnancy safe and what products you can use um, while you're growing that tiny little human. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's let's kind of address this big elephant in the room. Um, tell us your thoughts about current postpartum standards in the U.S., right? This typical six-week visit, uh, visit follow-up and how you think we could start to do better by birthing people? Totally. So honestly, I think it's silly. Like, I think it's a huge disservice to birthing people and to women, because if you really think about it, um, you know, the standard of care, so to speak, or the schedule that most offices kind of conform to in caring for a woman when she is pregnant is sometimes almost too involved, right? You're like, wow, we're doing so much monitoring. Um, and in the last month to six weeks of pregnancy, we are seeing a woman, woman every single week. And then she comes to the hospital, she has a baby, and we see her for a couple of days. And then we say, okay, we're going to see you in six weeks for a postpartum follow-up. To me, that's mind-blowing. So much is changing when you go home with the woman's body with, you know, the birthing person's body and healing, and then not only caring for yourself, but caring for a baby and how on every single level, there's a way to adapt, you know, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, there's so much to be done. And we just let them kind of do it by themselves. When we have the knowledge and the ability to make that a much smoother transition, I just don't see why you know, we don't 
see them as an ongoing process like we did in pregnancy and it's more of just a single time visit. So I think it's a huge disservice what what the current schedule is right now. And I think we could prevent a ton of complications postpartum by seeing them more frequently. I literally could not agree more. So, you know, one of the things that I think makes our packages stand out is we stay with our clients through that fourth trimester. I need Mm -hmm. to be with you only as much as you want me to. I'm not going to crowd you, but I'm there. My team is there. We will give you regular check-ins, very non-invasive. They're just text messages. We're not going to hound you by by phone call. We're just going to simply reach out and let you know that we're here. If everything, you know, is everything going all right? Do you need anything? I think our medical system could totally do that. So what are you proposing this two week follow-up and at this two week follow-up, what are, what are we doing? That's going to be different than that six week follow-up, or maybe they're just the same. Totally. And that's why I, I love the birth lounge and everything you're about Kiki, because it is so important. And I know that that's what you offer to your clients. Um, but you know, at this two week sort of follow-up, maybe 10 to 14 days follow-up, we are assessing things that are critical. Um, you know, the the way that our uterus heals and our bleeding pattern, that by 10 days um, should be on a different path than when you leave the hospital. The postpartum blues, those should be subsided after 14 days. You know, it's, you know, lactation and, and the problems that can come with breastfeeding, those at the two week mark are huge. You know, baby should be back to birth weight by that point. So we could really assess hands-on how the mom is feeling psychologically, how her body's healing, how the uterus is healing. Um, you know, maybe any lacerations she has, we can check up on those things rather than not have setting eyes on it um, or at least assessing how the woman's dealing with things until a whole month later when problems then can be present, you know? Um, so I think it's definitely different than the six week postpartum follow-up to be honest, as a provider, when women come and see me at six weeks, we talk about all those things, but it's like, you know, I struggled with this. This was really hard and now I'm past it. And for me, it's like, oh, I wish I could have been there with you. Like I could have helped you or at least giving you the resources, you know, to help yourself or your family members, um, or, you know, I learned that they had gone back to the hospital because they were bleeding too much. And it's like, I, I wanted to know about that. You know, I, I could have helped maybe prevent that or identified it earlier on. So all these things, or, you know, at six weeks, it's, well, I had a really hard time breastfeeding. So we, we switched to bottle, which every woman and every birthing person is totally justified in every decision they have. But if their heart you know, was to breastfeed solely. And that was a big disappointment for them. Well, I would have loved to be there to help them out, you know? So I find oftentimes at six weeks, I'm getting the narrative of what happened, whether it's good or bad, instead of being in the thick of it with them. So if we change this two and six week model, what will we then talk about at the six week mark? Since we're not going to have all these issues to talk about because we actually saw you a month ago and helped you get these things on the right track. So we're going to do a quick check-in. You're going to say, totally, these things are going great because we have that two week check-in. Now, what do we spend our time talking about at that six week mark? 
Totally. So obviously anything that was identified at two weeks, we're going to be following up with them. And, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be two weeks and six weeks. It, you know, I'm totally on board with like an ongoing thing. So if I need to see you every two weeks, so be it. Um, but, you know, at that six week appointment, it's more so like, how are we going to, you know, go forward from here? So we're talking about contraception, if that's something the woman wants to take part in, um, and getting back into everyday life, you know, um, physical activity and exercise routine, uh, going forward as far as, you know, if she's choosing to go back to work, prepping her for that, prepping her for breast milk storage, prepping her for the psychological changes that might have to happen or that could happen, um, that could, you know, kind of mess with that postpartum mood disturbance um, that can occur, you know, mom guilt. So kind of then being with her at that point on what's to be expected going forward. I love that so much. Wow. Okay. So just imagine if we really could have these birthing people have visits from their providers every other week in postpartum. I wonder if our numbers, I mean, I guess I have to say they will, are going to drop, right? Are are we going to see a drop from one in nine women having postpartum depression to maybe one in a hundred. That would be a great number. Some of it is biological. Some of it is genetic. Some of it is chemical, right? We can, we're not going to be able to prevent a hundred percent of postpartum depression is it's a very real thing. But one of the things that plays such a big role is your social support. Who do you have at home? Who do you have in those circles? Who is helping you? Who are you turning to with these questions? Why the people who are already seeing you already involved in your care, why aren't we including them in postpartum? You know? Totally. And I mean, it's kind of crazy because you establish a relationship with someone over the course of 10 months, you kind of get to know them, you learn how they operate, what they struggle with, you know, their baseline. And then to just go six weeks with crickets, it's like, you know, we are besides maybe their partners or their families that have been there, we're one of those vitally important people that can identify that, Hey, I don't think you're acting yourself, you know, let's address this and whatever way we do address it, you know, if they choose to not do anything, but at least we're, we're made aware or they are open to therapy or counseling or, you know, medications if necessary, that that's just a huge spot where we could prevent a lot of complications and turmoils for women. I agree so much. And I love that you bring up baseline. And for me, that is one of the driving forces of why Tranquility by Hehe and our one-on-one services in the birth lounge are all meant to be consumed over months, right? It's a, this is a, we're in it for the long haul investment, right? If you can put in the months and do the work before your birth, we will be able to help you have a better birth, no doubt. We've got to have somebody that knows your baseline. And golly, yeah, how many times have I called someone's psychiatrist or their provider or their partner and said, look, I'm seeing some red flags that I wasn't seeing prenatally. I'm starting to get a little concerned. 
what are your thoughts? Or I just want to put this in your ear so that you can be on the lookout, right? Um, it's, it's really crucial to not only have these people in your village, but to be able to take advantage of them. And right now, our medical system, the way that we do it, it doesn't allow for that. So what would have to change for us to do this? Insurance coverage would have to change? Yeah, so I think both policy and insurance coverage would be vitally important because, you know, right now, obstetric care is a global package. And basically what that means is you get allotted so many um, prenatal visits and you get allotted so many postpartum visits. And, you know, insurance is going to cover the allotment of what they give you. And so with a cesarean section, we have two two postpartum visits that we're given with a standard vaginal birth, you get one. And so it's kind of mind blowing to think that insurance is running the way that our care is delivered and given. But the sad part is, is that's often the case in many fields. Um, And so I think, you know, advocacy for insurance policy changes and for policies in general need to be um, addressed so that we're able to see you know, everyone at least at minimum two visits. Um, Like I just said before, it seems silly that we're given so many visits during pregnancy and then just one postpartum. That's so silly. So um, insurance is is a big part of that as well as, you know, policy in, in general. Man, that is really, really crazy. Okay, and so in Boston, we have a few hospitals, not all of them, not not all of them by any means, but a few that are doing a two and a six week visit for the clinics and the in the facilities that are doing that that two week visit, are they just writing that off and it's kind of in goodwill and, and they're kind of eating the change there? So I've looked into the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology for kind of guidance on this. And they're actually the ones, they came out with a committee opinion that advocated for a a sooner follow-up. So it said, you know, within three weeks, we recommend a follow-up within three weeks. Um, And that was great because that's a huge step for them to, you know, recognize we need to be doing more for our postpartum patients. And they, they addressed the fourth trimester for what it was. But, um, you know, subsequently there was another article or or committee opinion that kind of came out and said, okay, well, we need to address the coding issue here because that's what I'm talking about with insurance and coding and how you kind of, you know, fit that in. And I'm not exactly sure how particular offices are doing it, to be honest. Um, But, you know, you you can have a problem visit in the postpartum period and then a a normal follow-up visit, and maybe that's how they're addressing it. Um, or, you know, because I'm in Florida, I don't know, maybe the insurance plans in, in Boston particularly are more up to speed and they have allotted two, two visits at this point. I just know for, for my setting specifically that I have one. So, um, for vaginal delivery, I'm not sure how they're, how they're doing that to be exactly honest. Yeah, it gets so complicated. And you know what, I I actually think that's a deterrent. I think that's why a lot of people don't dive into this is because it gets so complicated. And it's, it's mushy, and it's sticky. And it's like ridden with politics, right? And it's it's like Mm -hmm. ridden with all this stuff that reminds you that women's health could use so much love in our country. And it's just it's super discouraging. But unfortunately, we got to wade through all the bullshit to get to 
the good fruit on the other end. And the good fruit is Mm -hmm. that we start to have, you know, the same birth stats as countries that care about their women and children. So let's talk about that. When we see countries like Germany, Sweden, Austria, those are the ones that come to my mind. What are we seeing as far as their postpartum care? So we, we have some clients in a couple of those countries. And so I can share what I actually see kind of go on in the home. Um, but what, what do you know clinically of how our U.S. stats compare to those countries when it comes to postpartum care and postpartum complications and postpartum mood challenges, things like that? So I do know, and not specific numbers, but I do know that our numbers are are greater than those countries specifically, especially the UK. Um, I know that, you know, in the UK, it's almost standard that you have a midwife for the duration of your whole obstetric care, unless you are deemed to be, you know, high risk for whatever reason, but their, their standard is a midwife. It's not necessarily an obstetrician. Um, and that's not to say you know, that's solely responsible for the, for the um, lower statistics, but the postpartum care does have a big, a big um, part. It does play a big part in that. And they do have lower rates of um, maternal mortality as well as postpartum mood disturbances. So I think that we can learn from them um, and how they, how they are providing their care Um, especially in the field of midwifery, I know that, you know, bringing, this is just a quick example, but bringing nitrous oxide into the hospitals here was um, something that they had done in Australia and in the UK for years before it got to America. Um, And so I think, you know, we need to humble ourselves and say like, well, who's doing it well, let's learn from them. Um, And I think this is an area where we can do that. I love that. So one of my favorite parts about the birth lounge is it gives me the freedom to talk about what other countries do so that all of the people in the birth lounge get to know literally all of their options because I get it as providers. I mean, you fall under this because you practice in the, I mean, no, not because you practice in the hospital. Home birth midwives have the same thing. Every provider you have your hands tied in certain places. It's just part of being a provider, right? Unfortunately, it's just, I don't know. It's how we have it's how our culture has happened in provider world, right? And it, it sucks because as the patient, if you know to bring up certain things, your provider can engage with you in that conversation. But if you don't, they cannot bring that kind of stuff up because of certain things that have their t- hands tied. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on, you know, what kind of doctor you are and where you practice and your state and legislation, all that kind of stuff. But to say that your doctors have your hands tied in the birth lounge, I'm able to tell you all of your choices so that you can be that consumer that knows to ask these questions, right? I truly do believe that doctors and providers and midwives truly do want the best for all of their patients. So if you can come to it with some education and your provider has their education together, you guys can really make the best plan for you. And I I wholeheartedly believe that it just takes you doing the work. And so for me, the birth lounge allows me to talk about all the choices so people can be like, dang, that's the country that's doing it well. I want to talk to my provider about how we can maybe adopt what that country is doing in my birth room or at least see what we can do with the American standard to make it closer to what that country is doing. Right. And I think it gives you a lot of flexibility as a consumer to know these things. Definitely. Um, And I love that because 
you know, that's why I always encourage my patients, like hire a doula, engage in childbirth education classes, because just like you're saying, as a part of the, of the culture, or maybe at least, you know, how, how medicine and nursing has evolved, it would be nearly impossible for me to spend the amount of time that I wish I could spend with each of my patients during the day to give them literally all their options, all the knowledge that I think is necessary to make a truly informed decision. And so I do my best to condense it and to make it most pertinent to them. But if I'm dealing with mamas or birthing people who literally are starting from scratch, that seems almost overwhelming sometimes. And so I think taking part in childbirth education classes, hiring a doula, getting that support and that knowledge is so important to have those conversations then with your provider where you guys are kind of on the same page and you can truly make an, an informed decision, you know, yeah, because you know your option, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, it's a, it is definitely a, a triangle. I always see it as like, you're on top and then not really a triangle, an umbrella. You're on top and then all these people are here to support you. So all of your little points on your umbrella is somebody, it's your nurse, it's your midwife, it's your OB, it's your anesthesiologist, Mm -hmm. it's your partner, it's your doula, it's your mom, it's your sister, it's the birth lounge Facebook group. Like you get to put together all the people on your umbrella that are going to support you. Um, Yeah, gosh, I love it. Okay, so let's circle back to this two week kind of idea. Since we don't have that and it's not standard across the board, mm-hmm. what are people looking for at home that might indicate a problem that, gosh, I might need to call my provider, even though they said they weren't going to see me till six weeks? That's such a great question. And I think these tips right here are ones that you can take home and kind of live by. And they're ones that you should be you know, finding out in the hospital. So my biggest tip first and foremost would be when you're in the hospital and, you know, they're coming in to do your postpartum discharge instructions, ask them specifically, what are things I need to be on the lookout for when I go home? Um, And obviously I'm going to touch on them here, but just knowing that and having that, you know, on maybe your discharge instructions or written down somewhere, it's just a good piece of, of facts that you can go back to. Um, but, you know, speaking from my own advice, I would say, you know, there's, there's three major things that you want to take into consideration and that have to do for the safety of mom and baby. Um, and we'll kind of start with, with mood. So postpartum blues are completely normal and, you know, many, many women experience that labile and, you know, excitement, and then you're crying and then you're upset and that that's part of it. And your hormones do regulate and, and after time, you know, that should go away. And that's usually at the two week mark when you're like starting to feel like yourself again. So if you're still feeling distant or, you know, closed off to your baby or to your partner, or you're having thoughts that you want to hurt someone or yourself, um, or maybe even intrusive thoughts, you know, like, I'm going to drop my baby or things like that, that are just not you or not your baseline. You need to call your provider. You need to say, I just don't feel right. You know, I, 
I just need to have, I just need to be evaluated. Um, so that's a really big one for me. Um, and then also bleeding, bleeding is a big one and it can be somewhat intimidating. Um, because like I said, again, if you're a first time mom, you've never experienced bleeding like this, you know, um, you might have a heavy menstrual cycle and that's to be, to be expected if that's your norm and, and it goes away and then you're good. But with postpartum bleeding, um, it's important to know the parameters of what's normal and what's not normal. So, you know, the first three days we're expecting that bright red, heavy bleeding, um, and you can have clots with that. But I would say, you know, if you're passing clots that are bigger than a golf ball, um, or if you're saturating a pad in less than one hour, those are reasons to call your provider. Those, those come into play. Um, you know, that's just sometimes an indication that you might be bleeding too much, but also not to forget about your own, your own body and the, the signs it's giving you. So if your heart starts racing and it's, you know, beating really fast and you feel like you're having palpitations and that's happening in combination with your bleeding, that that's a sign to call your doctor as well. Um, and, you know, things that I always recommend is making sure that you're emptying your bladder often because your bladder can displace your uterus and, and cause bleeding. So making sure you're getting up and going to the bathroom often is a great thing, changing out your pads frequently. Um, and then again, just, just keeping an eye on yourself and really having some intuition on what your, how your body's reacting. Um, and then I would say, you know, be on the lookout for any sort of signs of an infection. Um, so, you know, that's a fever greater than 100.4. When you are going home, you should be out of that range where you're having a fever from like an epidural or the delivery, um, which, you know, those are often very mild and, and not necessarily um, over the 100.4 mark. But when you're home, you need to make sure that you know, no signs or symptoms of infection are present. So that fever and then, you know, symptoms of mastitis in your breasts, you know, flu-like symptoms or those big red um, streaks on your breasts that are warm and tender to the touch um, in combination with the flu symptoms. And then also any laceration. So if you had a repair, just making sure that you are, you know, blotting when you go to the bathroom, cleaning with your perineal bottle, um, and just keeping that area clean. Um, and those would be the big things that I think are important for the safety of the mom or the birthing person when she goes home. So what can we expect after the first three days postpartum when it comes to bleeding? If the first three days are that bright red, clots are okay. After mm -hmm. three days, we're kind of home. Now, what are we looking for? Yeah, so on days of four to 10, um, we call that serosa. So um, it's more so like a pinkish, brownish um, discharge. And that can last, like I said, up to days 10 to 12. But to be honest, you can have spotting um, light in color um, for almost, you know, sometimes four weeks. And so that what I tell my patients is, we want to make sure that your body from the point that the time that you leave the hospital, that you are bleeding less in amount and um, that the color is also getting less bright. So, you know, going from that right, bright red 
um, leading to the dark red, to the pinkish, to the brown, and then eventually like almost a white discharge. So um, that is to be expected in the bleeding pattern. And it, it can change too, depending on if you are exclusively breastfeeding as far as when your cycle comes back. Because to be honest, if you're not seeing your provider until six weeks, um, sometimes your, your menstrual cycle can come back if you're not breastfeeding around the five or six week mark. So, you know, that can sometimes be confusing of, you know, is this postpartum bleeding or is this my cycle? Um, and to add a caveat, you know, to that, what's normal in the progression of bleeding, you can have an increase in bleeding slightly from, you know, around day seven to 10. And that's what we call um, shedding of the eschar. So basically the scab of where your placenta was comes out. And so if that happens, um, it's good to just know, you know, that was from the placenta. I'm not, I'm not bleeding again. And this isn't something I need to go and tell my provider about. But of course, if you're ever worried, I mean, give your provider a call because that is their mm -hmm. job, right? It, it irks me to no end when people are like, I don't want to bother my provider. I'm like, you're literally paying to bother that person. You need to pick up that phone and call them right now. They would rather you bother them too mm -hmm. than something bad happens. Please just pick up the phone and call them. If it really doesn't need to get to your doctor and it's something super normal, a nurse will call you back. Again, you're paying to have this nurse call you back. It is super important for people to remember that you're a paying customer customer. You're giving these people mm -hmm. money to give you certain respectful, compassionate, evidence-based care. And you deserve that just on like a very basic level. <laughs> totally. And that's why I think this follow-up at the two to three week mark is so important because, you know, the, the patient who doesn't want to call and quote unquote bother the provider could have a potentially really serious problem at bay. And yes, what he, he said, always, always call. If you have any questions or any concerns, she's right. You are paying for that service and you deserve to know and have a peace of mind of I'm, I'm okay. And I'm safe. Um, and if you're unsure, come in, go see your provider. Um, but again, I think if this was our standard and this was routine, we could, you know, put a lot of anxieties at bay for our patients and also identify things that are not safe way, way before they become a problem. Yeah. That proactive care, right? If the, mm -hmm. the more proactive we can be without intervening unnecessarily, the better it's that fine line of like, mm -hmm. let's let your body do it, but let's also be fast in our reactions when we see that we're starting to veer off course in a way that could be dangerous, right? It's a fine balance. It's a, it's a very hard line to walk. And, you know, at this point, and this may change, but at this point, I am very grateful that I'm not a medical provider in any sense of, of the word, because I, um, I really respect you guys. It's a very fine line to walk and it can get sticky super quick. So, all right. If people are listening and they're like, heck yeah, we got to make this change in our country. How do you get involved? We can obviously vote and that's a great way making sure that we're voting for candidates that actually prioritize women's health and actually understand the importance of policies, um, both locally and, and nationally. But do we, do we ride our politicians? Do we march in the streets? Is there, you know, are there organizations that we can support? Is there a place that we can donate? How do people get their hands in this and make a difference so that we can hopefully in the upcoming years 
change this and, and really get our birthing people to support that. I mean, this doesn't even cover it for what birthing people, you know, deserve, but at least get the mm-hmm. ball rolling. Totally. I think all of the options you mentioned are places to start. Um, and I'll, and I'll touch on that, but honestly, just advocating for yourself in the hospital and even saying like, I would be comfortable coming in at two weeks instead. Like it starts there. Um, but on a globe, like on a bigger level for the insurance purposes we talked about, of course, please go out and vote. We need every single one of your voices to be heard. Um, and to, you know, support those who are advocating and paying attention to women's health and the policies that affect us. Um, and even messaging or reaching out to local legislators, that is, that's important because, you know, if you look around, some states have, and you know this, he, he better than anyone else, but some states have less than desirable statistics when it comes to infant and maternal mortality and the complications that follow. So we know that this isn't just a national problem. It's, on the state level too. And if you are in a state where those statistics are much higher, your likelihood of, you know, having this, this happen to where you have a, you know, a sooner follow-up than six weeks is probably less likely going to happen if your voices aren't heard. So really reaching out to local legislators um, and, and advocating in that way, I think is really important. I love that you touch on just advocating for yourself as a whole, because I am, I'm always telling, you know, our followers and stuff, which are majority white women, I I tell them, if you will start to advocate for change on an individual level, our black and brown sisters will just benefit from that. And so if you are a person of color, a woman of color, birthing person of color, listening to this, know that it is your right to say, I want to be seen at two weeks. And then Make that appointment, right? Go out to the front desk and say, I want an appointment in two weeks. That is your right to be seen by your care provider. Um, I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's doubly important for people of color to be seen sooner after birth because we know that, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, it's unfortunate anyway, you slice the pie, but it's not birth that actually kills our black and brown sisters. It's postpartum complications, right? It's exactly. them not being listened to. It is, it's, you know, the, the systemic racism that happens just within our medical community, because that's how our medical community got started in our country. And it is super unfortunate, but on a very basic level, white women, please start demanding better care so that everyone can benefit people of color, please start demanding better care for yourself so that you're safe, right? Um, I think that's super important to for people of color to know that it is your right. You do have the right to say, no, I want to be seen sooner than six weeks. Absolutely. And this goes back to the shared decision-making. If that is a patient's desire, it should be valued and, you know, taken seriously. So I think you know, that would be my recommendation if I'm just chatting to my girlfriend and telling her like, you know, I want what's best for you. I would like for you to, you know, ask for yourself to get a two week postpartum follow-up. And even if you are are not experiencing any complications, it's a great um, just point and spot in time where your provider and you can touch base, maybe debrief your, your delivery, talk about what's to be expected the next month before you guys see each other again. Like, 
we all deserve that. Every single one of us do. And so, you know, like you were saying, he, he, like starting with advocating for yourself, that's how we earn respect. That's how we change policy. Like it, we, we each have a voice to do that. Absolutely. I mean, you have to think about it like this, what you teach your provider today, every single person after you gets to benefit from that. That's how I look at my job being in the Mm -hmm. birth room. What can I teach this nurse? What can I teach this midwife? What can I teach this provider that is going to pay off and benefit every single patient that they have from here on out? And I cannot even tell you how many times providers, OBs, midwives, nurses come up to me or my team at the end of a birth and say, thank you so much. That was so fun learning X, Y, and Z from you. And I just get the biggest kick out of that. It makes my heart so happy that now you get to take this with every single birthing person that ever comes to you after this. And they get to have this knowledge too. It's just, it's very cool. It's a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing good for yourself, but it also pays off for the larger good, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, Skylar. Thank you so much for being here today. I told y'all this was going to be a great conversation. I think that this probably got a lot of people's wheels turning. I think, you know, again, if you haven't had a baby or you're pregnant, you probably didn't know this was coming down the chute to you. And so now you want to have this conversation. If you've already had a baby, you're probably thinking, hell yeah, exactly. I needed a two week appointment. Like where the heck were these two girls when I had my baby the first time? Um, And, you know, if you're planning to have a baby in the future, know that this is your right. This is something that you can totally ask for and to check in on what your hospital does. Some hospitals around our nation are adopting this policy, quote unquote, early. Um, hopefully we'll see more you know, facilities adopt this same uh, model of care in the future, the very, very near future. All right, Skylar, if people are interested in connecting with you, learning about your blog, your Instagram, seeing you as a provider, where can people connect with you to learn more? Totally. Um, and I just want to say thank you again, Hehe, for having me here because it was it was awesome, and I love these conversations. You know, these are the conversations that get people thinking, like you said, that start changing policies that start changing habits and how we do, how we do care for women in our nation. So I just want to commend you for all that you're doing because it is awesome. And I will always, always support you um, in that. Yes. But if you would like to connect with me personally, you can reach out. Um, I do have a website, wellandworthyco.com. Um, or you can reach out to me on Instagram at wellandworthyco.com. Um, and you know, if you are in Tampa and you are local to this area, you are more than welcome to, to schedule an appointment with me. I'm always, you know, available for any sort of women's health, gynecological um, questions, concerns, and then pregnancy, obviously, as well. You guys, you will not be in better hands than with Skylar. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to move to Florida or maybe just go down <laughs> for my yearlies in Florida just to see you. <laughs> I mean, Come on, girl. going to Florida would be good too. And then I can just get my <laughs> yearly while I'm down there. <laughs> there you go. Come on. 
<laughs> that's the most hee hee thing combining the beach and women's health that is literally <laughs> the epitome of me I feel like half of me is all filled with like uterus and speculums and like women's health and then half of me is like ocean waves and sand and sand dollars and all the things so we have both so it's a perfect fit <laughs> I love it well I will be scheduling my plane very soon to some this <laughs> coronavirus I guess is over yeah all right you guys happy Tuesday. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. I hope that we're leaving you with a little bit more information than when you joined us just a few minutes ago. And I hope that if you are having a baby soon, um, you do bring this up to your, your provider. It's your right. You guys, you deserve the support in postpartum. It just is plain and simple. You really do. And when we look at what achieves good postpartum outcomes, it is constant support and you cannot get another answer no matter how you slice that pie. You need constant support in postpartum. So have this conversation with your provider, join the birth lounge, find a mom's group, join a Facebook group that is supportive. Be wary of the ones that are not, but find your village. You guys, you need a village of people. You got to find it before that baby comes. Thanks for hanging out with me. I will see you again on Friday, you guys, for another Friday free talk. Don't miss it. Until then, take care, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community, and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.